Holman, I must say that I am giddy with excitement about our new partner. Ooh, yeah. I uh, am super stoked because I think it's the, uh, I don't know, the perfect company to uh, sponsor the Truck Show podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, may we present for you our new sponsor, Dex! I think we just pegged the meter. Did you hear <laughs> that? It like cracked. Dude, we're too loud. We just blew everybody's speakers. They're like, so, They're like some ah. guy's in a V6 Chevy work truck and his speaker's blown. It's all of our fault. No, no. Now the right one down by his, you know, the buzzer's knee, it rattles. <laughs> just because we yelled at him right now. Sorry. Because we, we screamed at Decked. So, Holman, tell our friends what Decked is all about and why they are a our proud new sponsor. Yeah. So, we had uh, Greg from Decked in uh, several episodes ago, and he's like, Dude, I love the show. Love what you guys are doing. I want to be a part of it. And we're like, does Greg know that he um, he's from Idaho, right? Isn't he from that area? Yeah, that's where the company's. But made. he sounds like he's straight out of Manhattan Beach. Like he's kind of like a surfer dude. I think he might have come from not Idaho at some point. Oh, really? Was I wrong? I think so. Okay, well, I don't cool. know. All right, should we call his mom and ask where he was <laughs> raised? Where he's from? Yes. <laughs> All right, Greg, we're calling your mom. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so Greg's like, love the show, love what you guys are doing. I want to be a part of it. And it's like. Um, Which, by the way, okay. <laughs> that speaks volumes because he sat right here next to us. Yes. And we were the whole time sweating going, he was, well, we have packing blankets on the wall. He was in studio. His ants were crawling on his knee. Staring at the casting couch. <laughs> and, he still, and he still liked he it. He still liked it. Okay. Know. All right. Well, so we anyway, appreciate that. For those of you wondering what Decked is, it's this awesome pickup bed-based storage solution. So it's a 12-inch high, basically like a bed-shaped size toolbox, and well, it has. Yeah, I mean, first off, look, we've all thrown stuff in the back of your in the back tie of the truck, tie downs and, and all this stuff. And but it's just sliding everywhere, yeah. right? And like, like, well, if I can organize, it. and so some guys do organize their trucks by using, you know, they'll make um, makeshift, uh, you know, uh, little toolboxes cu- cu- or cubby holes and stuff yeah. out of out of two, you know, two by fours, and or maybe and shove a bunch of stuff wood. under the rear seat, but you don't always have that room. Well, Decked has this. Awesome system where it's two bed length drawers that can hold up to 220 pounds each. They're weatherproof, dustproof, lockable. And then on top of it, it covers your entire bed floor, including the wheel wells, and can hold up to 2,000 pounds of payload so you can drive your UTV right on top and keep all of your tie downs and everything else that you want locked safe in the drawer. And with uh, with the deck drawers closed, locked, and your tailgate up and locked, that's a pretty secure system for keeping all your valuables Organized in the back of your truck, but so but what would you accessible. say this thing is like? Uh, it's like a foot tall, yeah, roughly. about twelve inches tall. So you lose about twelve inches of but depth, you, of depth, bed depth, right? Right, but then you gain um, all that storage, and like you said, you can still stack. Ev- I don't know what you're going to put on this more than two thousand pounds. Yeah, right. You're not uh, going to carry a car in the back of your truck, right? <laughs> I mean, you could. You I mean, put a, sure like you a could. Mini Cooper or something back there, right? And they have all these cool accessories like tie downs, and they have toolboxes that fit the drawers, so you can pull out your tools in a toolbox. Drink holders, by the way. Drink Some holders. of the little panels flip yeah. upside down. They can. So for those of you who are tailgating and you are always looking for that spot to put your uh, your beverage of choice. Uh, the deck system offers that, and uh, they're a perfect complement to our presenting sponsor, Nissan, because Decked and Nissan have actually worked together on oh, some projects. I forgot about that. Yeah, Surf Camp. So, I think it's awesome. Uh, Nissan presenting sponsor, Decked, our, our our newest partner, and Deck signed on for fifty episodes. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to be on for fifty episodes. Well, that's what How we, we said. Good on that promise, dude. We said that we're already on twenty nine. <laughs> This is twenty nine. Dude, this is twenty nine. Can you believe that? <laughs> I don't. I was. It's funny. Somebody had asked me the other day about the truck show, and so I wanted to send them a link, and I was looking for a particular episode, and I went over to our and so wait, page. You, you had to scroll more than two scroll yes, wheels, right? And it's like show the next ten, and I'm like, wait, how many of these have we done? <laughs> I, honestly, it's gone by so fast, and we're having so much fun. So, 
Um, this so, is great. We have we have Nissan to thank for so much of the success. We yeah, really would absolutely. not be doing this show without Nissan, so we really appreciate it. If you guys have the opportunity to go to a Nissan dealer, I'm partial to the diesel. I think it's really unique and really, really cool. I know that you're a big fan of the Titan. I, I think it's a great truck and five-year, 100,000-mile warranty. I think the Titan is one of those trucks that a lot of people might not think about, but definitely deserves a look if you're in the market for a new truck. The quality will blow you away. Which is serious. Which is totally how they're able to offer that awesome warranty. Uh, oh, that makes sense. So uh, once again, Truck Show Podcast presented by Nissan, now in association with our friends at Decked. Decked! The Truck Show. We're going to show you what we know. We're going to answer what the truck, because truck rides with The Truck Show. We have the lifted, we have the lowered, and everything in between. We'll talk about trucks that run. The Truck Show with your hosts, Lightning and Holman. So if you don't know anything about The Truck Show, I'm Lightning. I used to work at K-Rock Radio in Los Angeles, California. Now I work at Banks. And Holman was and is the editor. Tell them about yourself. You don't even know what I do, do you? (laughs) I I can never remember because, A, I met you when you did something different. Yeah. And then now you're in charge of, I don't know, eight different things. Yeah. So I started at Truckin' Magazine. I used to be the tech editor at Four Wheeler Magazine as editor-in-chief at uh, Diesel Power Magazine. Now I run all of our truck and off-road magazines. You're just a truck slut. I am a total truck slut. I love (laughs) me some trucks. I love me some trucks so much. That I'm doing a podcast on trucks. <laughs> I know, it's ridiculous. <laughs> this is about as niche as it gets, yeah, isn't this it? Is, this is like a uh, niche of a niche, right? Yeah, so we have a great show. Before I talk about the show, I was at uh, Sandsport Super Show. That's in Costa Mesa. You know, I didn't get a chance to go, and I heard it was a pretty awesome show. They expanded it. They grew it by, I think, a hundred vendors. Whoa. I heard that, uh, was it uh, Yamaha or Polaris? Somebody had a $30,000 UTV that they dropped there. Factory. Mm, I miss that. Holy I moly, those that. are getting expensive. These guys have, well, I think, I don't know who it was. One of the big bold moves, these these UTV companies are making massive bold moves. If you're in and around the sand sports or your off-road, you may have heard the term glamis. The word, you know, glamis is a massive area of sand dunes. At the uh, almost the border, yeah, almost the Mexican Mexican uh, U.S. border, US yeah. border down in Southern California, and it's just by the Salton Sea. You may have heard of the movie Salton Sea and never really understood where it is. It's the largest body of water Wait, in California, on. the largest man-made lake. Uh, that you know, the Salton Sea was an accident. Yes, a dam broke. A dam broke. Yeah, and it yeah. just flooded a valley that otherwise was not supposed to have a right. It was lake. a lot of farmland, and and all of the runoff from the farms. The salinity is it's so su- high. Super crazy, yeah. So when you're driving down some of the roads that go around the Salton Sea, you look over and you're like, wait a minute, it's 110 degrees out because it's in the desert, but there's snow on the ground. No joke. My kids will always go, what is that? And they realize, yeah. oh, that's, that's not salt. salt. Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. That salt all washes downhill into this and into by this the lake. way, you don't want to drive on that stuff because it turns your frame orange in a couple of days. It's yeah, bad. It's bad news. So they, they stocked the, they were fishing it one time. Well, there still are fish. Um, so what happened is, by, how did we get on the salt and sea topic? Uh, I don't know. You're I talking, talking about, about Glamis. Glamis. 
And I, oh, this <laughs> and then is really you just interesting. Decided to I know put a history I'm, lesson I'm on gonna California. Cir- I'm going to circle back here because okay. it's really interesting. It's we'll worth I'm waiting for it. So when when the lake you know was formed early on, uh, some developers in Southern California thinking, oh, we're going to make this like an amazing beach town. And um, yeah, think they, about that beach town in the desert. That's like the two greatest things it's ever. Amazing, right? Yeah. right? Right. And the weather's it's hot. It's going to be like Palm Springs, but with a lake. And then, so they poured millions of dollars and they poured a lot of concrete to make the pads for houses so they could put the house on. And then all of a sudden, someone realized that no one would move there. And it, the whole <laughs> thing went bust. So you have hundreds of these cement pads that we're yeah. going to build houses And some dilapidated on. old buildings that are, you know, there's a there, few people out there. There are a the couple thousand residents yeah. out there in, in that area. and um, But people go out there and they bring their motorhomes and their tents and they camp out. And it's a bunch of hippie community now living on these these empty pads that we're going to build houses on. It's kind of interesting. And that's on the way to Glamis. You get to Glamis and Glamis is, I think, and someone's awesome going to call me out on this, but I, I believe it's one of the largest sand dunes in the U.S., right? If not the largest. It's um, big. I'm sure I'm going to get in trouble for yeah, that. Yeah, probably. So it's huge. It's like 18 miles by six miles, whatever. And it's and if if someone blindfolded you and put you in the middle of Glamis sand dunes, and right? Said, the, find your the, way home. It's called the Imperial Sand Dunes. Yep. No, first off, if they they took the blindfold off, you would cry because <laughs> you would think you're in the Sahara Desert. Yeah. You're going to die. Yeah. And the sand dunes are massive. And uh, so Polaris bought a bunch of acres um, with a store on it called the Beach Store. Because Glamis was a beach back thousands or millions of years ago. That's how the sand got there. <laughs> yes, Professor and, Lightning. Tell me more. And so is it, well, I, I realize uh, it's kind of interesting. I want you guys to Google and check it out. And if you're in Southern California, it's worth going to. It's one of those spots where, no, it's not Disneyland. No, it's not Hollywood yeah. and Vine. It's Disneyland if you love off-roading. It is. It is. Off-road, any of that sand sport stuff. So I, we're getting back to that kind of that Polaris thing is that they bought the beach store. Now, the beach store was owned by a family since way back and whatever. It was a significant move to say, like, we're this big company and we're going to buy a piece of land, the only piece of land that was, like, for sale on this on this giant sand dune. And I don't know. It was, like, kind of a bold move, I thought, to say, like, we're in it to win it. Yeah. So much so that we're going to buy land. You know, it's like if you made hiking equipment or like uh, carabiners and then bought a valley and then you bought a valley yeah that's exactly you what bought it was Yosemite like. or something like yeah, that right? exactly you tried to buy Half Dome yeah. or something that's right? ours now yeah and so uh, I, I just think uh, that's is pretty interesting in seeing how big these companies are going and to see these side by sides dude I mean dude, they're crazy I've been now. watching them we've all been watching these things over yeah. the years and the fact that you said thirty thousand dollars yeah for a factory one for a factory one. I mean it's easy to go way more than that but I mean that's a hell of a nice Jeep it's not that easy to go way more than that oh, I no, mean originally well I mean they, they were like a rhino it all kind of started yeah. started with the rhinos right and the rhino was really just to, to get around the farm and yeah. pull logs and whatever you're going to do. It had a little dump bed in the back. And then people started bolting more seats into the into the back of the bed, and it became this whole thing. And people started racing them, and then it became the Razor and all these things that we know today. And it's pretty fascinating to me that it's grown so quickly. But some of the sand rails out there, dude. 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 $250,000. Although you don't see, uh, to me, uh, sort of like the sand rail thing sort of died. And they're out there, but you don't really see a really robust sand rail market anymore. Not like you do in the UTV space. Man, the UTVs are growing like weeds. Yeah, I don't. I, it's just a price point thing. I think. Oh, I'm right? sure it, it has to be. I'm it's sure. just you can get into it, but still, you know, you've got to find. You can't just go and well, unless you're wealthy, you can't just go and buy a UTV anymore. They're so expensive. You're you know you're making payments on these things for twenty years. 
Good topic. Yeah. <laughs> we got really sidetracked. Wow. So could we go back to Sand Sports? How was that? That was the show. Sand Sports was, uh, yeah, it was there. And did you get any interviews? Did you see anybody there? I did. Sand Sports Super Show, Orange County Fairgrounds in Southern California, day number two. And who do I run into? Garrett, the owner of Born for Adventure. Now, I've been trying to get you on the show for like, seems like three months now. And you're like, uh, I'm busy. I'm doing air quotes right now. I don't know what the busy is. So I see you and you're, you're walking uh, with your dog here. What kind of dog is this? Uh, he's a German Shepherd Coyote mix. His name's Echo and he's eight. Rescued this guy and he's been a blast. He's awesome. They told me it was some other breed, but turns out after DNA testing, German Shepherd Coyote. He's been awesome. So wait, you did DNA testing? Yeah, is absolutely. That- well, uh, you know, I, lo- I looked at him and I had seen... Okay, so you know I love dogs, right? Like, I love dogs. Yeah. How rad was that dog? A coyote German Shepherd? Oh, the best. And he had the uh, bandana around his neck, and he was wearing, like, these, uh, like, a backpack-type thing with the leash connected to it. Did he have goggles on? It was camo. He didn't have goggles on. (laughs) That would have been cool. Coyotes all my life. I mean, they live in every major city in the U.S., and so I looked at him, I thought, wow, he really looks like a coyote, but I just believed what they told me, some other breeds. But sure enough, after DNA testing, which a friend of mine, he convinced me to do, it came back, German Shepherd Coyote. What does that cost? Oh, it's pretty cheap. I found like a kit on Amazon. He just like sent it in. But before that, uh, that was when I had to get a double check. Before that, a friend of mine was working at a wolf sanctuary, and he did all the DNA testing. So, a oh, wolf sanctuary. Yeah, out in Minnesota, it's no longer active or anything like that. But it's pretty cool. I mean, I, I just sent the samples his way, and good to go. It would be cool saying that you had uh, telling people that you had a wolf. I mean, or a coyote. I totally would not tell people I had any German Shepherd. I'd be like, this is my coyote. Yeah, that'd be cool. Although I have- No, people get upset because coyotes are known for, you know, at least around here in Southern California for, for eating small dogs. And cats. Yeah. I, I have a, We have a coyote problem in my neighborhood. And it's funny, I, I live- That sounds like a band. Uh, yeah, right? The coyote problem. <laughs> the coyote problem. In my neighborhood, we actually have uh, wild coyotes that come from the park and the uh, wetlands down by the beach. And uh, they'll jump people's back walls, you know, eight foot wall or whatever, and they'll eat your- Small dog or cat in the backyard, and right. have a uh, have a pet snack. So yeah, we've we're not we, we there are people that uh, have bears, wild bears, and well, bo- not boars, not and in the city here, stuff. but not yeah, in the city. But there's a lot like, of we weird sell like, pets. We sell like pansies, don't you think that we have a coyote problem? Yeah. Well, I mean, if it ate fluffy, I, I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> He's been a great dog though. He goes on my road trips and all my trucks. And give me kind of the backstory as to what. Born for Adventure is and how you started it. Well, Born for Adventure originated, I was working for uh, a great company. They build Jeeps. They build these big, badass off-road Jeeps, but these Jeeps are fifty dollars to $100,000, and I'd be working marketing with them. I'd go to these shows, and these little kids, they'd come up and look at these you know, wide-eyed with these big, badass trucks and Jeeps and everything, and they look at this Jeep, and they'd see a $100,000 Jeep. They, they, you know, I could never afford this. I can't do that. So I had this old, crusty ambulance, my $1,500 truck, my reliable 6.2. You know, the thing was a buck. It was a pile, all crusty and beat up, and it took some work. But to me, I, it, it spoke to me because here's a vehicle that you can get in anyone, anyone in the country. You work your butt off, you save some money, you can get in one of these trucks. You need a hundred thousand dollars, you need a couple thousand dollars, and you can get into those. And so for me, I saw, you know, hey, there was this market, there was this demand for it, and so I built that ambulance. And sure enough, someone came to me and said, hey, I, I'd love an ambulance too. You want to build that for me? And then it just hit the ground running, and I've been doing it ever since. I couldn't imagine a big audience for ambulances. That's uh, 
You know, it's it's more so the person that wants to go out with their two kids, go out with their spouse, with their you know their certain someone, and and go enjoy the outdoors, off roading, and go go see what nature has in store. And they- so, so these are conversions. I mean, they're, they're just right now. They're like the interior is just gutted. You know, mine actually has the original ambulance trapping, which is uh, dual bench seats that turn into a f- uh, total of two bunk beds. So you got four sleeping arrangements for people in the back of this one-ton Chevy 4x4 with 456 gears and lockers front and rear. Things They're badass. They're tanks. They're slow. They're very slow. But they will go literally anywhere and crawl up everything. That that Jeep that's got, you know... N- well, I would imagine with a 6.2, they're awfully slow. Because one of my best friends in high school had a 6.2 Suburban, 2,500 4x4. Oh, my God. It was like 0 to 60 in like literally 25 seconds or something like that. So this guy, really, I've been following him on Instagram for quite a long time. And, well, no, that's not true. Maybe about a year. Okay. About a year. And his thing is buying these old trucks that people are just discarding because they just don't live up to today's standards as far as, you know, the power and he's reviving them. And I think it's really neat to watch. That's awesome. So he's sort of like the, uh, I don't know, he's sort of like a archaeologist. He's he's sort of saving the, the discarded memories of 4 by 4 trips gone past or something and saving them for a new generation of people, right? <laughs> Kinda, yeah. Like $90,000 total into it. Our, our beat up old trucks, our ambulance, our campulance is going to going to keep up right with that thing. So it doesn't freak you out that there may have been dead people transported in that thing? No, not really. That kind of adds to the backstory, you know? It's <laughs> hopefully no dead people in the back, but honestly, oh well. It's yeah. a badass truck. They're reliable off-road. I don't care what happened to it before me, you know? Now, so you get a lot of these trucks, and back in the day, they had what was considered a you know sizable horsepower, but by today's standards, they're gutless. So what are you doing to these things? Well, you know, there's different modifications that you can do on the low, and you know, just turn up the injection pump, something minor like that. But honestly, when you once you once you add a Banks turbo, once you throw the lift kit, some 37s on it, it changes the ball game. You go from a truck that's it is off-road capable to something that's really pushing significantly more power versus what it originally had, and then you've got the ability with your lift and your larger tires to really do some serious crawling. Because like I said, these these trucks come with 456 gears, Detroit locker in the rear, and limited models have uh, limited slip up front. So, I mean, these are highly off-road capable vehicles, but with that Banks turbo kit, you're running faster on the highway, you're, you know, you're pulling your 0-60 to 60 a lot more efficiently, and your fuel economy is, is, you're getting a boost out of your fuel economy, which these trucks, you don't expect a big, giant military truck, you know, people are thinking of getting 5-6 miles per gallon. Man, we'll get, on the low end of some of them, we'll get 15 miles per gallon and then all the way up to 24 miles per gallon with our banks turbo equipped the right gear ratio and all that so definitely an improvement what is it about the 6.2 that it has you so enamored it's the lack of computers and the ease in which you can work on things the parts are readily available nationwide so every auto parts store across the country if you have your truck and you're like oh we're gonna go for a month-long vacation and zigzag to all the national parks stuff like that you break down you can pick up parts for it Everywhere, And if it's not there right then, it'll be there in two days. So, I mean, the 6.2, it's it, it's not only that, but then when you get the parts, you can do it all yourself. You don't know how? Google it. It'll pop up. <laughs> like, it, literally, there's how-tos all over the place. And it's you can do it with regular tools. You know, you can bring a toolbox, you can fix it with that toolbox. So, 
Yeah, you don't need a GM Tech Tool tool or anything, you know what I mean? Nope, no, not at all. There's no OBD, no ECU. Exactly, yeah. exactly. It's it's all self-explanatory stuff, so it's, it's pretty cool. You open it up, you kind of see how it looks. might be kind of intimidating if someone's in a hack job of wires into it, but the simple system, it works great. So he's essentially getting military surplus, like a, a CUCV, so those are the uh, old like M1009 Blazers and stuff. So it's like right. a square body Chevy, the militarized version. Correct. So he's getting those from like, I don't know, what, like Gov Planet or... Like barn finds. He'll find them. He'll drive anywhere. At first he was doing it for himself. Yeah. And then with kind of some Instagram fame, guys are finding him going, you know, my grandpa used to have blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Can you find one for me? I actually wanted to build a, CU, uh, a CUCV once and I just never got around to it because I wanted, I loved reg- the regular cab, their uh, long wheelbase, the pickup truck variants. Obviously, there's a bunch of other different variants and stuff. Six two, and I always thought that, you know Banks had basically the best six two kit out there, which obviously he's finding out. And do you guys still stock that kit? We do, actually. Yes. Wow, isn't that crazy? I, I was talking to uh, Gail. Not we don't too even long carry ago. like you know like Ram, you know the the Gen ones anymore. Yeah. First gens. You guys obsoleted a bunch of stuff a few years ago, and I was talking to Gail about that. I'm I'm shocked, but I guess because there's a lot of military applications that. That's Still exactly why. There's so many of these trucks out there. If you go to uh, like ironplanet.com, uh, it's a government surplus site. That they're all over that. So if you're a listener and are kind of curious what these things are, check that out. 84 M1010. Uh, it's it's a badass truck. Came out of Marine Corps Camp Pendleton. Uh, I bought it from these rad guys out in Upland, and that's sort of... I bought it from them. This thing barely made it home, and I was wrenching on it for months and months. But the Campulence, again, that's the one I'm known for. I also got a one I call the Red Witch. That's a National Guard truck. They went to a fire department as a search and rescue vehicle. That thing's got an onboard generator, compressor, welder, runs single phase, three phase. You got 220 coming out, so you can run a shop. I mean, it's they're pretty cool trucks. What did you know about this stuff kind of before you started? I mean, was it uh, – did you jump right in or – did you like what was the learning curve on a lot of these things and there's not a lot of i guess i should pose it as a question was there much documentation on these things or are you just uh, explain how you got how you figured it all out well I, I started with a jeep i loved my jeep i got a 2006 jeep lj i outgrew it i needed something bigger something badder something that could handle the big tires all right i need something with one tons okay what else we got i saw a campulence i remember seeing one on base when i was a kid i was like oh that'd be a killer ambulance you know a camper and so i ended up finding this old ambulance fixed it up i learned everything that i know off of the internet uh you know <laughs> youtube google you are a millennial yes. right yeah and uh no, no wait, wait, i will not being a millennial i will not be grouped with them all right uh by the way i think it's hilarious that there are certain like i guess i would call them old soul millennials and those are the ones that that sort of um like the things that older guys like and they're into it and they like getting dirty and using their hands and and i'd say we have a lot of listeners by our email that have a lot of these old soul millennials but i love when you come across an old soul millennial they're like don't call me that i'm not that at all i'm i'm like my grandpa's grandpa but he learns everything off youtube yeah right so So there's a balance kind of funny can't rationalize that (laughs) but you know i i started learning that but then the military also makes manuals so they've got these manuals dumbed down to really cool schematics all these things you can learn from and so you know you're troubleshooting you're going through there but once you have one truck and you're doing that i mean i use this truck to haul things this was like my work truck i was towing vehicles from one side of the country to the other picking up trucks in maine and bringing them back to california and when something breaks when you're on the road you have to figure out how to fix it and that's how you learn is you learn from being in the truck and having no option 
other than to get home, you gotta fix it. You gotta figure out and make do. And so with these trucks, there's no computers, you know, there's no, uh, not a lot of those things to, to have an issue. It's a matter of time until someone follows him with a camera. You know what I mean? He's, yeah. he's the next, he's like, that guy. He's the next Motor Trend show. I think so. Maybe, yeah. 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 Well, I, well, I should uh, forward that off to uh, the powers that be you when really they're looking should. for Yeah, he's quite a character. Yeah, he sounds like it. So when you're replacing things and you're fixing things, it's easy. You do it with a screwdriver. You do it with a socket set. It's it's some self-explanatory stuff. So so two questions. You, How much fab work are you doing on these things? And n- number two is, you said on the base. Were you in the military? No, no, I was not. I, I was in military family, grandfather, uncles, all that stuff. So I was never in the service, but I grew up around it. And when it comes to something that they make for the military, these things are strong. They're meant to keep our guys alive. You know what I mean? Like, our our servicemen are in harm's way. They need to come home, which, you know, you talk to guys who are in the service, they'll talk crap on half the stuff that's in there. Oh, it's not reliable. You know, especially if you worked in Motor T, you know all the headaches that come with Humvees and stuff like that. So, you know, for me, I just, if if it's good for the military, it's good enough for me. And it's at least a good starting platform. You can build off and do all that. And to answer your other question about fabrication, I myself don't do too much fabrication. I do the lifts and tires and stuff, but I have a friend of mine, uh, Nemesis Off-Road. His name's Will Collins, close friend of mine since I've been like two years old. He's done a lot of the fabrication and things when I've needed welding and stuff like that done. And so he's been my go-to for that. But other than that, I'm just, I'm doing lifts and tires, turbos, that sort of thing. So Born for Adventure started off as kind of a hobby and turned into a legitimate career for you. And your client list is growing exponentially. You know what? We started posting videos on Instagram. We were posting videos of our, you know, we're out there using these giant trucks, these full-size vehicles. And, And that's at Born for Adventure, right? All spelled yes. out. Correct. Born for Adventure. Just spell that exactly. No numbers, no any, or no. Uh, Not born number four. No, it's just born F O R for Adventure. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And so we started there, just posting videos. People were cracking up because you know we'd be taking out bushes and branches and <laughs> denting the crap out of our stuff and putting it on its side and like carnage. You know, we go out there. We don't want to baby our rigs. You know, we're just beating out baby. That's another one of our our friends on uh, Instagram beating out baby. Like that's we want to. That's how we live with our vehicles. Yeah, we care about them. Yeah, we want to take care of them. But we want to go run over stuff. We want to go play bumper trucks and hit our friends on the trails and stuff like that. And so when you got these big one-tons with these this thick American-made steel from the 80s, you know, you got a solid, solid truck. So we posted that. People ate up the videos. They saw the vehicles we were building. And eventually now we just have people trickling in, hitting us up, asking for builds for specific vehicles. And that's kind of my specialty. Someone has an exact vehicle they want. Oh, they want a truck this year. They want a crew cab. They want four by four this type of engine all that stuff then i go out and i track those things down oh so you really are the full soup to nut service so the guy says i want this you will literally spend a couple months tracking it down you will you will go get it bring it back to the shop which is in costa mesa california correct yeah it's yeah. on the border of costa mesa newport technically newport but it's pretty much costa mesa it's over there got it well newport would be hoity-toity and now right. you got <laughs> costa mesa is like working man yeah. but i know where you are and you're kind of the it's kind of the automotive capital of uh you know there's huntington where like chip Foose is and then a little further south beach beach community is costa mesa so who's your inspiration in this industry as you walk around well this is sand sports super show which is a little different it's side by side sand rails things like that but when you're walking around say off-road expo or overland expo for example which i'm sure you were at who are you looking up to is it an aev is it honestly there there's no one that I look to for inspiration other than just... You're an arrogant bastard! No, no see, and it's, it's not that. It's not... I'm not looking up to... I'm just screwing with you. Saying, yeah. like, I want my company to be like that. To me, I look at the average person. I look at this kid who's in high school that wants a vehicle. He wants to go camping. He wants to go off-roading. Or it's like the everyday person is who inspires me. I'm not getting the ideas from...
from some company who's out there having these crazy builds. I just know that I want to reach the person, the real person, the person that doesn't have this huge budget. I want someone to get into a truck just so they can they can be happy and they can go experience the things I get to experience. So it's the everyday person. It's that guy out in the Midwest. It's that guy up in the Pacific Northwest, the guy out in Wyoming, the farmer, the guy who's had his beat up truck for 20 years and he just wants to go wheeling it. Though That's my inspiration is I look up to those people, not the people who have all the shiny, fancy $100,000 things. I relate to the person who's got their crusty beat up work truck that their grandpa bought brand new in 1968. You know what I mean? Like that's the type of stuff that I love. And he has a coyote dog. He does have a coyote dog. We now break into your regularly scheduled program with a special announcement. <laughs> so here's the deal. We are going to be at Off-Road Expo in Pomona. It's the Fairplex in Pomona, and we will be there. The event takes place Saturday and Sunday, September 29th and 30th. We will be making a very special appearance. When, Holman? On Saturday, we're going to be at the four-wheeler booth at noon because all of you guys have been asking us to do a truck show meetup so we decided hey we're all gonna be at the off-road expo why don't you come join us hopefully we'll have some swag and stickers to give away and we'll get to meet all of our fans out there who have generously donated their time listening to our show and really there's just a cheap excuse to get free beer from you please bring us a beer because we'll <laughs> <you out stickers. laughs> beer is not cheap okay there. so that's saturday September 29th at noon, Off-Road Expo at the Four-Wheeler Booth. In the Fairplex in Pomona, California. So if you're heading off to the Off-Road Expo, come see us at noon at the Four-Wheeler Booth. We now return you to your regularly scheduled truck show podcast. (laughs) Okay, so you know what time it is? It's time to dance. (laughs) You email? Yeah. I email. Do it. We email. That's right. Everybody email. Type it up. say this every single time. I wish you guys could see Holman. No, we're not going to Facebook it live. Why? But I really do wish people could see you. (laughs) You're so white. You're so white. (laughs) You're Stay Puff Marshmallow Man white when you dance. Got about that many rolls these days, too. God, I got to stop eating wiener schnitzel. Well, dude, you violated... Wiener schnitzel today by bringing in Burger King, dude. Well, that was an emergency. <laughs> you know how you have that emergency fast food? That was a uh, that was an emergency. Emergency and I, Burger King. I ate, I ate well like all week long. I've been doing really good, and I'm like just needed something. And McDonald's sounded like ass. Yeah. And uh, Waba Grill you know, is healthy, yeah, but uh, nah, Waba Grill takes no too long. You know, what's up with McDonald's, by the way? So uh, they st- they're cooking their meats. In something different, or they're—I don't know what's going on, but it's bland. Yeah, it's so freaking bland. Although they did add that new fresh, never frozen quarter pound patty. It actually—it's not bad, but it's still a McDonald's burger. It's just like I used to look forward to McDonald's, uh, and it just—the I mean, fries are still good. McRib, yeah. I'll do a McRib when they come because that's fries are okay, but they're not as good because they're I, changing everything, trying to make it healthier, and it's just not working. Well, it's because it's McDonald's, anyway. I hear you. All right, so. uh, let's get to some email. All right, so I got one from Trevor here. He says, hey, guys, I'm not 24. Lightning has picked on 24s throughout multiple episodes, though, but I am 29. I don't know. He has a point. Yeah, I don't know what it is about 24-year-olds. Were you uh, hurt? Were you injured? No, 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 because 25 seems like uh, you're matured. Yeah. Right? And it doesn't matter if you're a millennial anymore or 25. But I feel like between your 18 and 24, 
That's when you you think you, you vote, got you the drink, world by yeah. the balls, but yeah. you really still don't know anything. 25, you start maybe trying to figure things out. All right. Well, Trevor's 29, and he says, uh, I don't mind hearing about some of the classic and throwback stuff that got you guys into trucks. Also, I feel like I was kind of at the end of the generation that could appreciate magazines. Well, I appreciate you, Trevor. He says, I grew up in elementary school <laughs> and middle school loving four-wheel and off-road. Today, I'll pick up every magazine now and then. If a cover story grabs me at the airport or something, I think social media and the internet, mainly forums, really did kill print. I think it's a shame because it's not as special on the internet. Forums? Yeah, I did think so. forums kill print? Forums, No, yeah. forums did not kill print. Well, I think people, no. I think all of the armchair experts, you know, because you could claim to be an expert. And no. There's a lot of that in the beginning. No, forums have always been clunky. Forums still to this day, with all the technological advances that we've had, forums are still so clunky with bad ads. Well, they're definitely clunky and, today. But but back in, you know, what, the early 2000s, they were sort of state-of-the-art. No, what killed it was Facebook. Facebook did kill it. And Facebook, Facebook killed print. Yeah. Yes, Facebook groups. And a lot of other Although things. Facebook groups are really didn't grow until the last couple of years. Yeah. But Facebook in general. They're putting the, uh, the, the other nails in the coffins. and Absolutely. Nails. Uh, so anyway, he says, uh, I had another thought. Holman had mentioned he'd owned a few Rangers, but what's both of your history on truck ownership? Who's owned more trucks? And he says that he's owned a... Uh, oh, well, Holman, no question. He says question. Uh, he's owned a uh, 2000 Sierra, a uh, 92 or so OJ Bronco. Ooh, I love those. <laughs> 91 F-150. I was working at a Ford dealership when that was going on, yeah. and we had one that came in for service. It was a white Bronco. Yep. The California plate, and I kid you not, was O-J-D-I-D-I-T. No Swear way. to God. O-J did it. Yeah. That's the greatest thing ever. On an O-J Bronco. I took a white O-J Bronco to Alaska. Did you really? Yeah. For the Christmas a, tree? Wait, was it Alaska or was it- Canada. might have been Nova Scotia. Nova Scotia. Yeah. Yeah, that was one, one of the years you had to go get the Christmas tree, right? Right, right. Uh, he says he's owned an XJ, an 06 Silverado, a 74 Courier, uh, 06 LBZ Duramax, 02 Suburban- I mean, he's owned way he's more trucks. He's 29, and yeah. he's gone through this many trucks? He actually says each one, like, why he sold it and stuff. It's kind of interesting. Anyway, he says, by far my favorite trucks, all things considered, are the GMT 800 platform. He says, but he definitely wants to own a six-liter power stroke one day. He just needs to prepare himself for the amount of breakdowns it's going to have. He says he <laughs> loves their sound. And judging by diesel power challenge, they make excellent hot rod motors. Uh, what's interesting about that is we've got a friend on either, I think it's the next episode, uh, a friend of mine who works for Bulletproof Diesel out of Arizona, and they are the six-liter experts. And so we'll talk about how to make a six-liter reliable. So I think that'll be pretty cool. Some people think it can't be done. Other people, oh, I no. talked to a guy absolutely can be uh, done. this two weekends ago at the Sandsport Super Show that came uh-huh. up, and he said he had a, a 6.0 with 234,000 miles yeah, on they, it. They can absolutely, you got to take off some of the crappy Ford parts because I think uh, International had a spec for that engine, and Ford sort of downgraded some things and cut some corners on cost. So uh, EGR and and uh, doesn't everyone do head studs or something? Yep, yep. On the early ones, okay. on the other ones because they blow head gaskets with a uh, with enough boost and stuff like that. But but uh, we'll talk to Jeff when he comes on from Bulletproof uh, in uh, I think it's the next episode. Um, I think you know it'd be interesting for people who've always heard the horrors of the six liter to really find out what you can do because. At the heart of a six liter is a great engine. Well, I've heard that it, once you fix the bugs, yeah. r- if you fix them right away, yeah. then that it's, motor actually is bulletproof. Every bit as reliable as a 7.3. Right. Um, okay, so then we've got some reviews here. We've got uh, Mgress129. Great show. Five stars. Oh, five stars. And he says, uh, I've now adjusted how I sit in my 15 2500 Chevy, and I'm finally comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> because his steering, his steering wheel is off center like mine. Uh, we have my Farve in a box. Uh, Great podcast. 
He says, entertaining and worthy of five stars. But oh, a, no. Oh, but, no. A, but a very weird love for mini trucks and California pompousness takes some credibility away in my book. I'm not sure what that means. But he gave us five stars. Oh, five stars. <laughs> five stars. So I'll okay, take the five wait, star. So let's wait. Stop. Let's analyze this for a second. Yeah. California pompousness. I don't know what how to make. Now I now I, I could see California centric. We are, but and and, and, that's we, where and, we're and, at. and so and off Mike Holman and I have discussed this. Yeah. And said we don't want this to sound like a California show. By no means we understand the trucks are popular everywhere. And this is our you you are our people no matter where you live yeah without absolutely. question absolutely so we do you know but but just like if we lived in Idaho yeah all of our references our experiences would are here right. and we live in a place that really that is the leading edge of truck culture so we see a lot of things and over the years a lot of trends that started here and slowly made their way eastward and so um, we don't mean to be. California pompous. I don't. I don't think that we're Cal. I think we're California centric. I think you are California pompous. I'm not. No, you're way more pompous <laughs> than I am. It has nothing to do with California. You're just I pompous. I have a tattoo. Yes, you do. On my shoulder. Uh huh. That says West Coast for life. Yeah, that's. I uh, do. That's, <laughs> that's hardcore, bro. Hardcore. But here's the crazy part. I would live elsewhere in a heartbeat. Would you? you know, I, I, I can't. Uh, I've had lots of friends and family and people who uh, retired. There was away. a long time, just like, you know, we're talking about the 24-year-olds. Mm-hmm. I know everything. I'm yeah. going to get a tattoo that says West Coast for Life. <laughs> and then I said, you know what? Because you think, oh, I live by the beach. I wouldn't live anywhere else. No, nah, dude, I, when's the last time I went to the beach? It's not about living next to the and beach to go to the beach. It's about living at the beach because the weather's awesome. And There is that. And where where I live. But, what, you know, all those people that come out here and they say, oh, I love the weather. And But you, I long for the seasons. Uh, do I want to be snowed on? Do no. I want to go through a hurricane, which that, is happening right now? In Florida? That's a novelty. That yeah. So it's so here's my. It's hard idea. to beat the weather. I, I travel all over the country. I've, I've had the opportunity to travel all over the world for my job. Sure. So have I. And every time I come home, I, I love home. And I haven't found a place. I found places I, I wouldn't mind having a vacation home or a winter home or something like that. But I just haven't found a place I love more than home. And I'm born and raised in Southern California. And I, I live in a place in beautiful Huntington Beach, California, which is known as Surf City, where I'm in a suburban tract. And if I want to go to the beach, I'm five minutes away. If I want to go to the touristy part of town, downtown, I'm 10 minutes away. If I want to go on the freeway and go anywhere else in SoCal, five minutes away. But where I live is your typical Southern California suburban tract home. And I love it. I love my neighbors. I love my neighborhood. I love where I live. And I'm not in the middle of the crazy touristy California stuff. But I can go enjoy that and be part of that anytime I want. Yeah, but five you, know, away. you know what you, you don't have? What? Land. I don't have land. Although I have more land than people living in apartments in downtown stacked on that's, top of each that's other. That's true. But that's kind of the yeah the metro thing. And, you if know. I was going to have- But I would live, like like we've talked about before, I would love to live- I wish that when I was young, pre-family and yeah. kids, that I had lived in New York, like in a hustle. Well, what do they or, say? Or Chicago. They say or, everybody should live in New York, but leave before it makes you hard. And everybody should live in Northern California, but leave before it makes you soft. And <laughs> you should do that as part of your your rite of passage and figuring out the both ends of the spectrum. Um, I visited New York. I'm not a huge New York fan. I mean, I, I think the life and the food and all that's it's great. I just hate getting around in the city and in and out and just people everywhere. And I like the more laid back West Coast. It's it's I enjoy. We'll see. Now we sound California pompous now. Well, see what just it's happened? not like I said I enjoy sitting in my backyard sipping bourbon while I smoke a cigar, although I do. <laughs> but, you know. That I, could I, happen anywhere. But I'm no different than our truck-loving friends in the other part of the country. I've got a uh, a 
safe full of guns. I love my guns. I love America. I love my American flag. I love trucks. I love diesel. I love anything motors. It's not like because I live in California, I'm this soft snowflake kitten sweater wearing person. That is something that I our listeners have not accused us of, which I'm very grateful I, for. I appreciate that as well. But I have been in many places at, at, at truck shows sure. recently where they go, ah, California boy. You yeah, know? but they always do that. And they're, oh, you voted for Hillary. Oh, no. you did this. Oh, you did and, that. You know, like, I'm, yeah. no, I'm telling you the guys, hold on. They don't know that about California. They don't know that outside of the Hollywood community. Or Northern, is, or, or San Francisco. Or San Francisco, or the, yeah, those areas, or the super affluent areas yes. where they have so much money, they don't mind giving it back in taxes or crazy stuff. I will tell you that you'd be stunned how conservative. California is. Oh, there's there's a lot of outside yes. of Hollywood and right. outside of San Francisco. Yes, absolutely. And there's there's a lot of us here. And even my friends joke with me. They're like, "When are you leaving? We're all going to Arizona. We're all going." I'm like, "Hey, somebody sane has to stay and watch the asylum." So <laughs> I feel like when you leave, I'll still be here because I love California. Someone has to vote against. Uh, yes, right. We can't just let it all slip off into the ocean. I know a lot of America would would like that. So he was busting us for being too California centric, and here yeah, we are. We just spent the last ten minutes being California centric. Yeah, we, we can't help who we are. Well, we don't. We don't have to do as much of it. Well, that's true. That's why we have uh, Jordan coming on in a little bit from uh, Daytona Truck Meet. Ah, there you go. So he'll be he'll uh, he'll save us from ourselves. And on, we uh, have a little uh, Detroit coming up too. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we'll get to that. And then our, our last review, uh, Old Ham Four, two wild and crazy guys. Says these fellas give. Well, great there's inf- an old Saturday Night Live <laughs> reference. Yeah, right. None of the 24 year olds no. get. He says these fellas <laughs> give great information and make me cry laughing on a regular basis. Keep it going, guys. Five stars. Oh, five stars. <laughs> Solid. Master. Two wild and crazy guys. I love it. Uh, you guys have no idea what that is. Uh, somebody should Google that and report back. <laughs> okay, so now that we uh, let all of our listeners down and they maybe have tuned <laughs> out, all God, I, I, I hope you guys didn't tune out because this is, this is heavy duty. Yeah, we've got a big time player for you guys from Ford Motor Company here to talk about the Ranger Raptor. The truck show, the truck show, the truck show. Show. It's time for the inside job. The inside, the inside, the inside job. We'll talk to an industry expert about how things are worky work work. This is Herman Salenbach, and Herman's the global director for Ford Performance. So he's uh, he's pretty important, and I don't know why he would ever come on our podcast. Don't start that way. Oh, don't start that way? <laughs> no, oh, no. Herman loves us, and uh, of course he would want to be on our podcast. So Herman was uh, around and part of the original Raptor development, um, and so that's where I got a chance to meet him and work with him is when Ford launched the uh, the original Raptor, and we've talked about that a little bit on the program. and. And Herman, uh, you might even have some stories that go back <laughs> back then. But uh, when I when I heard that that uh, you want to talk to me, I was very excited because I remembered your name. And uh, exactly ten years ago, in two thousand eight, when we had the original Raptor still under wraps, uh, you and Mike Levine at that time from PickupTruck.com, you two guys 
were really on our heels and tried to put the puzzle, the puzzle together. What are they doing there? And we didn't uh, want you guys to know. Because we <laughs> secret. Yeah, you guys weren't too happy when we you, uh, figured it out. I had, to, I had to realize you did really such good investigative work that finally we decided uh, rather than fighting you, we will invite you to the Yvonne and show it all to you with an NDA first for non-disclosure, but you had deep insights. We, we took you in the garage and we showed you the thing. So the question is kind of, do you still remember your feelings when yeah. you saw it the first time? I, I do. And, and so Herman's on to talk about basically the Raptor brand. And now the Raptor brand, which has become so important in the U.S., is now expanding globally. And our, our listeners have been talking about and a lot of buzz about the Ranger Raptor, and we'll get to that. But to lay the groundwork for that, and we've talked about this in previous episodes where um, I was one of the people who broke the news of the Raptor before anybody knew what it was. And Herman was the guy on the other side of the fence going, no, 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 no. And uh, we had gotten to a point where it was during the lean times of the economic crisis. Several manufacturers had gone through bankruptcy. Ford hadn't gotten there. They were thinking, but at the same time, they were thinking, do we really need a high-performance desert-oriented pickup truck. It's kind of a risk at that time. Yeah, absolutely. And so from my point of view, us breaking the news early actually had a positive halo effect for the Raptor brand because it showed management how much interest there was out there. And in fact, the Raptor replaced Lightning, the the not my Lightning here, yeah. but uh, the Ford Lightning. But <laughs> the Raptor was never, the, the Raptor always outsold, the lowest year of Raptor always outsold the best year of Lightning. And the, the philosophy behind the Raptor truck and replacing Lightning in, in the SVT and Ford performance portfolio was, rather than turning a truck into a sports car, let's turn a truck into a more badass truck. And those are the roots of Raptor. Once we figured out that that's what was happening, obviously broke some stories and some other things happened. Eventually, things came full circle. Mark Gruber, Herman came back, talked to myself and Mike Levine, who now works at Ford in PR. But he and I were sort of the two journalists who who were out there and invited us in under the tent early, signed to NDA. And back to your original question, Herman, do I remember my feelings the first time I saw this truck? Yes. (laughs) We We were in Dearborn. And you guys took us back into a garage. And this is one of those things where you're like, they're either welcoming us or they're going to kill us. Right. They're going to take you out to a, uh, a, a cornfield yeah. and bury you. I had to text my loved ones and let them know my last known location. <laughs> but I walked into the garage and I remember that at that time the truck still had camo on it. The full body hadn't been revealed. And they had one up on the hoist. And they had parts like the shocks, which were obviously incredibly novel at the time. The fact that we saw the big 35-inch BF Goodrich tires. Uh, and then we went to the Design Dome after, and we saw a uh, the orange color that was popular with those first couple years of Raptor in the design studio. And we, we walked around with the designer talking about it. Was it was called the Design Dome, really? Uh, the Dome, yeah. I mean, that's that's the Rotenda. Is that what you guys call it, Herman? Yeah, kind of. Kind of. That's the showroom, what we, what we normally say. The showroom. So, gotcha. So that was the first time we saw. I saw a clean one that, that was beautiful. And then we saw the mules and prototypes in the garage. And I never thought an OEM would come out with a truck like this. And at the time, and we're talking 10 years ago, so a lot has changed in the industry since then. We're talking aluminum control arms, wider track, wider bodywork. Not just a pre-runner, it's a four-wheel drive. You have to remember that was really important at the time. The original truck had 12 inches of travel, um, internal bypass shocks. I mean, all this technology that had never been heard of before. Off-road mode where you can turn off all the nannies. Uh, any speed rear locker, 
All these things that it was the game changer, the game changer, the ultimate truck. Period. It is the supercar of trucks. So Herman, how did yeah. how did you feel about showing your prize possession, what you had worked so hard on, to a couple of potential Yahoo, you know, journalists that could? I mean, granted, they sign NDAs, but was it uncomfortable or was it thrilling? You know, it's always uh, you you work uh, a long time with these kind of products when you really can go out and show it to somebody external to the company, it's always a, a very special moment because now you get really kind of outside feedback on, on what's going on, especially when they can, can uh, even get in and drive it and really you, you see what they, what, what they feel. But here in, the, in that case, it was, it was great to kind of see two experts, you know, um, Sean and, and Mike are, bigger, bigger off-road and truck experts than I am. And it, it's really awesome to see people like that get in front of that and, and get their feedback. So it was an exciting moment, absolutely exciting moment. And, and debuting this to the world, tell me about that for the company. What did the Raptor originally mean to Ford? You know, we, we kind of, if I go a little bit back, we, it got started by really asking us the question, do we like, we had, we had at that time in, uh, in, in SVT, what was, uh, at, at that time, the Ford performance name, right. the SVT team in the US and the team RS in Europe. Um, we had at that time an allowance for two vehicles, a car and a truck in North America. We had the car. It was our GT500 Shelby and it, the, the truck was open. And we asked ourselves the question, the natural thing would be, Okay, we had a we had a high performance truck, the the Lightning, and the normal thing would have been to make another Lightning. But on a Lightning, basically, as you said earlier, you you basically make the truck a little bit more like a car. You take capability out of the truck, and on on uh, uh, if you, if you go off road, you can put more capability into the truck. What seemed to us uh, a thrilling thrilling idea and especially at that time also we saw many customers really go deeper and deeper into off-road off-roading was re really on the on the come and we, we we thought we just think that's the better idea and that's how we got started and in, into into off-road and then basically you know as we as we had that thing laid out and got ready for the reveal back to that question it was then a little later in that year in uh, at SEMA in Las Vegas in 2008 in the fall we uh, we prepared for the show. We had the truck what we what we uh, were bringing there. We had it ready, and we showed it to Mark Fields back then, the the president of the Americas at Ford. And we showed him the truck on a Monday morning at six o'clock on his usual walk around on things like that. And he walked around the truck and said, "Wow, that's impressive." Um, and how how will the production truck be? We said, what do you mean? Well, he said, this, this, this is a concept. And we said, this is the production truck. That's and how, he was really... That's how advanced. He was really impressed. <laughs> that, that truck, we talked about it with one of our spy photographers when he was taking pictures of the prototype mules that had the JD Fab kit on it. And we were talking about in an earlier episode how we broke the news and, and, and how all that came to be. But you have to realize, the original truck while totally normal on American streets right now, and you see them everywhere, the original truck was absolutely looked like a concept vehicle. And I remember when it was unveiled, people couldn't believe that was 
That was rolling off the production line just like that. That wasn't a close approximation. And Herman, correct me if I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, I I remember the track width was determined on the Raptor. And for those of you listening who who aren't familiar, if you know the Raptor has those three little lights in the grill and those three little lights in the uh, center high mounted stop lamp in the back, just like a, a dually would. Ford had a logistics setup that allowed them to ship duallys to dealerships. That was the widest they were set up in terms of rail cars and coming off the production line. So the Raptor was as wide as a dually because they couldn't go any wider than that and be legal. And because they were, was it over 80 inches, I guess, they had to have the clearance lights. And so- Oh, is that true? Yeah. I didn't know that. And Ford interpreted that they didn't have to be on the top of the cab. They looked at the regulations and they put them in the grill. And now you see everybody does that in the aftermarket now. They have their three little lights in the grill like a Raptor, but those are actually there to be clearance lights to be DOT legal. Well, the good thing was we, we could convince them that we cannot put that lights anywhere else. <laughs> I wonder who you had, how much you had to pay that person to uh, <laughs> to allow you that that leeway. <laughs> well, but it became it became a, an iconic element of the truck. Yeah, I mean, you could tell a Raptor in your rear view, and I remember even the first time we went on a drive of the Raptors, and I believe that we started down in San Diego. Um, right on the water, and we drove out to East San Diego to the desert, out to Anza Borrego area. And I remember that was some of the things we were talking about is those lights at night, you'll always know when a Raptor's behind you because nothing else looks like it. And I think with the second generation truck carries true still, that that signature lighting with the three lights in the grill, um, you know exactly what's behind you, which is super Did you cool. feel, um, Herman, did you feel like when, when you guys launched that, the, the Raptor, that it was the game changer? Did you, you know, sometimes, um, you know, whether you're developing an app for an iPhone or you're, you know, did the guys at Uber realize that they were appending the entire taxi industry? Did you realize that you were changing off-roading maybe forever? Yeah, you know, um, it was it was so different. It was we had so much fun with that truck in the studio as we developed it. And basically that, uh, you know, it was the first time that we defined high performance less by the engine and more by the chassis and the suspension system. And basically by wanting the stability and the width of the truck and not that much of a lift, we basically, we basically produced a body shape that was very unusual. We carried over only the doors and the, center of the cab and then the front and the rear was big and you got to that coke bottle shape and everybody who saw that truck was always completely blown away so we we knew this will be this will be an awesome we call it that time a white space vehicle a vehicle with basically no existing competition and it's funny because now here we are 10 years later and there still is no existing competition. Not, not I guess really. You're right? Huh? There's manufacturers talking about it. There's manufacturers who have threatened to enter the space with concept vehicles and have teased at auto shows and things like that. Why They're, do you suppose that is? Well, I mean, it's a you know, it's a halo vehicle. You have to have a lot of R and D to get it right. I mean, that is not an easy vehicle because if you think about, it, you have to do all the FVMSS stuff. You have to be able to drive on the street. You have to be able to do emergency lane change maneuvers. All those things, and those are compromises to the type of suspension and, and the way you want the chassis to um, operate or feel yeah. off-road, right? So, so there's a lot of, of corporate knowledge that's baked into that original Raptor team that continues on with the Raptor today. So anybody entering right now has a pretty steep learning curve to figure out how to get their chassis to do the things that the Raptor does. And as, uh, as our listeners know, I just got out of a 2017 
Raptor, which won four wheelers pickup truck of the year last year. And we had that for a year. And the, the first truck was unbelievable. But if you remember, the first year of that truck had the 5.4. The 6.2 wasn't ready yet. So the six Oh, I completely forgot about that engine. Yep. Yeah. And so the 6.2 came, uh, you know, it was probably three quarters late or something like that. But the original trucks were 5.4s. And so what was interesting is driving those two trucks back to back, yeah, the 6.2 was more fun. Yeah, the 6.2 had that classic loud V8 sound. But when you're in the 5.4 truck, if you didn't know any better, you didn't care about that because the 5.4 truck, the suspension was so good on it. And it was just, it was so far beyond anything that any of us had ever experienced from an OE. I remember we did this this driving route, which was several miles out in Anza Borrego, and it, it was a big loop. And so there was cross ditches and whoops and all those things. And so they had... Um, signs posted for speed limits and things like that. So you might be going 60 down a stretch and then they'd say, you know, cross ditch or a, a, a river crossing, you dry, dry riverbed, 35 miles an hour. And I remember I was with, I believe it was Tad Otaki who was with me, who was an engineer. And he and I were in, a, in one of the trucks. And after I did a lap, he says, okay, you can open it up. I feel comfortable with you driving. <laughs> and then he really let me push it. And it was like, it was just unbelievable. I mean, the fact that you could have it in off-road mode, you could steer with the throttle. You didn't even need the 6.2. Now, obviously, the 6.2 elevated. Now, the 3.5 twin turbo with 450 horsepower, that's a whole other beast now. Like, the Raptor is elevated so much above that first generation now that it's it's amazing that Ford's able to take that big of a step forward. Well, I wanted to ask Kerman, so tell us how that transition from the 6.2 to the 3.5, how did that go? How did it come about? I have to tell you um, how we transitioned from the 5.4 to the 6.2. Oh, yes, please. The 5.4 was actually the best engine we ever had on a Raptor. Because without the 5.4, there would be no Raptors. This was thrown in at about that time in the summer of 2008, about uh, a good one and a half years before before the launch. No, it was a good year before the launch. Um, we realized we are running out of money in the company because it was 2008 and everything was really difficult. And the 5.4 saved that truck because we threw that in and pulled the job one six months ahead. And then we had the 5.4 first and then came with the 6.2. So that 5.4 saved, saved the Raptor program overall because basically we were also already on the deathbed. And um, our CFO at that point in time, I told him his worry was that in 2009 we cannot afford any more cash flow bleeding. And we had still to develop the truck and the launch was at that time planned for the end of 2009. And then I said to him, Lewis, we will put that engine in for the beginning and we will be cash flow positive in 2009, I promise you. Interesting. And we were finally, we launched it in the summer and we were finally $5 million cash flow positive. So it was even better and we delivered already a bit of money. So the 5.4 was really a, a very important thing for that truck. But now the 6.2 to the, to the 3.5. So everybody loves the big V8, uh, naturally aspirated. 6.2 was really a, a great engine for us. But uh, you get into, um, as you all know, CO2 and sustainability became more important. So we needed a more efficient machine. And that's how we kind of decided we will transition to the 3.5 EcoBoost engine. What really gave us basically more torque and also more power than the 6.2. And uh, there was a little bit of worry of time to talk, you know, at the decision time. 
But we figured that all all out on how to do that, and we came out with a very stronger truck with the new version, with the 552-based one. And I'll, I'll uh, add to uh, the conversation when we're going back to talking about the first-generation truck. You know, all the marketing was the orange truck flying through the air in the desert. It was born in Baja. It was this whole kind of Baja race thing. And I had a lot of people who were in the Midwest and the East Coast who loved the truck. But they're like, it's not really, I love it, it's so badass, but it's not really for me. And I was like, well, wh- why not? Well, because, you, you know. Think it's, it's too West Coast? Well, what, what, it's, what do you mean? It's because the marketing was all about Baja, right? Because you're building that halo brand. Yeah, right, okay. But what I would tell people is ignore all the born in Baja. They just made the best F-150 they ever made. Because if you think about it, it rides better, it has better shocks, it has better wheel travel, has better skid plates, has better tires, it has the ability to turn off the traction nannies, it has a locker, and so it was just a better F-150. And so what happened is, if you look at the generation of the F-150 that followed that, and the current truck, guess what? Some of those original Raptor elements are in that current truck, such as in any speed rear locker. So some of those things actually trickled down. And when they made the leap to the current chassis, which is obviously the aluminum-based truck, and took out a bunch of weight, uh, the V6 is awesome from the standpoint. I, I still miss the V8 Howl, I will admit that, but I also like hearing the turbos. It's set back far in the chassis. It's behind the axle front center line, so the truck is actually really balanced for being a pickup truck. But what's interesting is the old truck I felt like was more forgiving. And what I mean by that is because the EcoBoost that's in the current truck hits so hard, you can get yourself into trouble. The old truck (laughs) had enough power to have fun, and you weren't always on the ragged edge. The new truck takes some serious skill at the 10 tenths or the 9 tenths, whereas the old truck, I think at 8 tenths, 9 tenths, was a little bit more forgiving. So you have to be a better driver to fully appreciate. That's how good that truck is. Um, And then, uh, you know, one of the funny things is I remember when we were out in the desert and um, we were looking at the shock cutaways from Fox, right? And so people don't realize this, but anybody who owns a first-generation Raptor, not the current truck, the very first one, who, who has installed a leveling kit has wasted their freaking money. And I laugh because what happened was Fox created those shocks. And just like in the aftermarket, under that anodized blue SVT spring collar mm-hmm. are three little C, uh, C-clip grooves, mm-hmm. and you can actually level the truck from with, with <laughs> they, nothing else. They could have done it themselves. They could have done it themselves. So right. I always laughed. Everybody went and got this really crappy aftermarket lift kit to level or, or have their Raptor nose high. Herman's team had solved it before the problem even <laughs> but, occurred. But it was right. like an Easter egg. <laughs> Nobody knew that existed. It's not on the current truck, but on the first generation, if you take out your coilover and you take off the spring perch, and there they are, and you can set your ride height on the front. So there's a tip to any of you first-generation Raptor owners. Oh, I'm going to go spend a couple hundred bucks on a leveling kit. I'll bet you there are guys right now going, oh, you got to yeah, be kidding change me. The, change the snap <laughs> ring to the next location, and you're, you're done. So anyway. Herman, uh, for any of these, you know, the, the, uh, the Raptors, was there any was – there, was there concern over the rising potential uh, sticker, you know, sticker shock, you know, presenting this to the public, going, this is going to be a fairly pricey truck. It's not for everyone. Did you get any pushback from management, upper management? I guess you are upper management. I don't know how <laughs> high up it goes. But it, was there pushback like, can we sell this thing? Because we've obviously built an amazing truck. Can we move them? You know, the, the sticker shock for me was always, I was always very disappointed that we only charged that little for it. Oh, interesting. The original truck was, I believe, thirty nine nine ninety five. <laughs> Is that 10 what, years ago. You, it was? Yeah. Yeah. Before options. And it was you like know? the deal of the century. It, 
I was, was a, I? I was the firm believer that 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 we sell it that we sell it too cheap. Yeah, you could you couldn't um, build and, that truck for what you bought it from Ford for. If you were to get a standard F one fifty, do all the mechanical stuff, add the bodywork, paint it, you could Wait, not what, do it. For what, what price was it again? It was I believe the very first truck, and they went up from there to the mid forties by the end of the run or or high forties. But I believe the original truck back in oh was it oh eight or oh nine Herman oh nine I guess was thirty nine nine ninety five. I'm pretty sure. Wow. You know, you know the funny thing, Sean, is you mentioned Mark Grover earlier, yeah. our marketing manager. And today I was sitting with him and I told him I will meet you for a talk. And uh, we talked we talked about about prices and he got, you know, on a different discussion to, to that original webcast. And I told him uh, how much he gave us in revenue for that. <laughs> and he was getting defensive, you know, and said, oh, no, there was more, you know, and all that. No, it's a, you know the original one. We 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 had basically approved that program with something like six thousand five hundred units, average annual. And this you, is how we how we got it started. And then the sales were you know we were always sold out. You know it's still today like that. These trucks turn in less than twenty days. You know thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, eighteen. That means their wife at the dealership they get prepped and they are out. So we the sales performance was then like. 10,000, roughly 10,500 in the first year, 11 one in the, in 2011, nearly 14,000 in 12, nearly 20,000 in 13, and finally we ended the first one with about 22,409 in 2014. Was that projected or were you purposely limiting it the way that De Beers does with diamonds? I mean, were you holding back production to, to keep the value up or what was the theory there? We, you know, we, you see, we, we constantly start, uh, in, increased it because there was always not enough, enough raptors. It's still today like that. Today, we are in the 30,000 range and there are not enough raptors. And there's also no verbal marketing on it or any, any sales incentives. So basically, raptors are really in high demand. They are roughly at a four or five percent of overall F-150 sales. And that's a, that's a big number. Obviously, the Raptor brand has become really important to Ford um, with the current generation Raptor, with things you're working on. But sort of a surprise to everybody in the U.S. market was the announcement not too long ago of the Ranger Raptor. And obviously, those in the U.S. were just as excited about those overseas. And as right now, the Ranger Raptor is is an overseas-only vehicle. But can you talk to us about why Ranger Raptor and, and what that means to Ford globally and why the Raptor brand has resonated so much where you felt the need to go that direction? You know, after we had an F-150 Raptor and we were really seeing, you know, what's, what's going on and how attractive that vehicle is. Our second big pickup truck, you know, especially in a market like Thailand, uh, Asia Pacific, it was absolutely unnatural to think about Ranger. And many, 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 many customers asked us, you know, why, why can't we get a Ranger Raptor? So we, we basically, we basically, are very strong in many countries with Rangers, and we are strong with F-150. So the key thing for us, it was a natural to really study Ranger Raptor and bring it at the right point in time, when when you have the right platform basics and you you really have the right program to come along. But needed actually longer than I wanted it to be. You know, I started it way earlier than we finally got really in gear and developed it. But um, we, we basically wanted to give people, not only in countries where we sell F-150s, 
that you can have a web to divide to give people a choice worldwide because everywhere we are not with F-150, we are then in most markets with Ranger. And uh, the Ranger Raptor basically was for us a means to bring a Raptor everywhere in the world because we, with that, we could get full coverage. That's why we, we didn't want to have, you know, many Raptors compete in one market. We really wanted to have that complement that also on our compact pickup truck, what we call them, they are not that compact anymore. They are also pretty big trucks, uh, like an F-150 two generations ago. It was for us very important to really kind of get that going. And when, when you think about it, we just started to build them uh, in July. We, we deliver at the moment as we speak. The first week it's there in Asia Pacific and Thailand. We basically had also already at job one, the volume was already three times what we had studied earlier on. So we, 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 we started, we started on Ranger Raptors with, with a, with a higher percentage of overall Ranger sales with Raptor already because there's so much excitement and energy around Ranger, Ranger Raptors. So. It's really a very successful start. So let's uh, walk through our listeners, uh, walk through the Ranger Raptor. So based on the global Ranger platform, um, you guys, it's it's got that Raptor styling. To me, proportionally, a very good looking Don't truck. Traditionally, they, they look very different though. You've you've mixed, you know, you've haven't you mixed the cat and the dog here? No, I don't no? think so. I think I think it's no different than BMW, mm-hmm. like an M5 and an M3, right? Like that kind of feel. The 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 three series is its own beast, yet it still has those cues from the five, right? That's sort of what the Ranger Raptor is like. And the Ranger Raptor is like a, it's like a seven-tenths U.S. spec Raptor. It's uh, 285, so 35-inch tires. It has, I, I believe, around 12 inches of wheel travel, which is real comparable to the original Raptor in the U.S. Um, it has the flared body panels. It has uh, something different, but overseas, it has the uh, the diesel in it. So that's a little bit different. They're not going to enjoy the horsepower like we did, but it's very much akin to, say, the uh, Colorado ZR2 with the Duramax diesel, that sort of feel. The Ford diesel in the Ranger Raptor has a little bit more horsepower and I believe a little bit more torque, though. I haven't driven one. I haven't seen one. I had an opportunity if I was in Detroit. You got ripped off. I know. I know. <laughs> I got I to gotta take uh, Herman and Matt up and see if I can see that thing in person. But proportionally, it's just right. And it's a little bit smaller. And wheel travel-wise, it's better than like a Tacoma TRD Pro. And what's really cool is, Herman, I, I'm really curious about the rear suspension because you guys did something really different and really special with the rear suspension on the Ranger Raptor that the standard Raptor doesn't have. They had a very enthusiastic team on it. You know, it's... They wanted to go above and beyond, you know. So it's a coilover, um, watch link, rear suspension. Wow. Multi-link. No leaves. Wow. Yeah, isn't that awesome? It's just unbelievable. You know, I tell you, this, uh, I I, I had a chance to drive it alongside F-150 Raptor and also other products in uh, in Borrego um, earlier this year. And it was absolutely fun. He was in Anza Borrego, and you weren't, Holman. Yeah, I know, driving the global <laughs> Ranger Raptor. So to me, like, and we've talked about this on the show before. But Shows how much he really likes yeah, you. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. He's like, Sean who? Um, no, but to me, the way you know you nailed the design is if you want to pick it up in your hand and run it like a Hot Wheel. And that's what the ra- the proportions are just so right on with the Ranger Raptor. Um, if that thing were to ever come to the U.S., obviously it's not here. This is uh, the global vehicle. Maybe Herman can tell us if, if our listeners should keep well, ca- calling, I, I wanna, dreaming, sending well, in letters. I, I want to know why, Herman, for those people who aren't in the automotive industry, we're just fans, 
why does it make sense to launch a vehicle like this, you know, in another country first? Well, you know, the, the center of gravity of Ranger is not yet in North America. We just restart in North America. The center of gravity is in Asia Pacific. Huh. We are in, in, in Thailand. We have 13% market share in the second biggest uh, pickup market in the world. So Ranger plays in Asia Pacific mostly. And then globally, South Africa, it will go to Europe. We just announced that one in uh, a month ago in Cologne. Why does it resonate in Asia Pacific? As is it, it's, it's the compact nature of the vehicle? You know, they, in Asia Pacific, they have slightly smaller pickup trucks. Yeah, they don't have F one fifties. I like right? a Ranger. They they don't they don't have F one fifties in in most countries. Ah. So and they and they love their pickup trucks. You know, absolutely and. They like styling, you know, they, they go really for the latest. They are very style conscious. And here they see now this awesome vehicle with all this great history behind and the big brother in, in North America with a, with a F-150 Raptor. So they absolutely, they absolutely love that truck. We, we, will, we will have difficulties building us. Well, having been a previous Ranger owner and having been a Ranger owner that once owned a 2002 FX4 that was uh, wide, low, 33s, supercharger, 4-liter, stick, uh, Torsen's front and rear with uh, 14 inches of travel and 17 in the back. No, I mean, you're chomping at the bit to get your hands on this uh, thing. Yeah, I, that's, I get it. that's the truck I built back in 2005 that I've been begging, waiting that. for Ford you, to bring you, here. <laughs> you had this, this, this awesome Ranger, you know. Google talked today about it. Oh, did he? When, when I talked with him. <laughs> yes. He knows your Ranger. <laughs> that, I mean, I'm that guy. I, I own two Rangers, and they probably talked about the black splash. Everybody makes fun of me because I owned a Ranger splash. It didn't have any stickers on it. I thought it looked cool because it had steps I bet. <laughs> that was exactly the one he mentioned, the Ranger splash. <laughs> so I, I am the person who my first pickup trucks, I grew up driving Rangers. That that was I was a Ford guy, and I loved my Rangers, and I had two of them. And I lived in the TTB era, and I lived in the, uh, the uh, independent front suspension uh, SLA era. And I see the Ranger Raptor come out, and we do a story for uh, on fourwheeler.com, and we've got videos that Ford provided of it in camo, like launching over things in either Australia or South Africa, which is just freaking awesome. It's like total truck porn, eye candy, you know, and total <laughs> gratuitous. There's some engineer out there, and there's a drone following him, and he's hauling ass through the desert in this thing, and I'm just drooling going, that, that's the truck I wanted to buy, you right? know? So, so is there any hope at some point in the future? I know Ranger finally... Thank God returns to the uh, the U.S. at the end of this year um, or uh, beginning of next year as a, as a 2019 going to be huge. Brings Ford back into a three truck strategy. Once Ranger is back and, and makes a foothold in America, is there is there a chance? Maybe you know, if there's no hope anymore, I think life would be not good anymore. You know? <laughs> I like that answer. I like that answer. <laughs> All right. You know, um, basically on Ranger. You know, and, and back to that one, you know, the first important step is really that we brought Ranger back because without that, it would be right. even less less of a thing. And then, you know, the more we hear from enthusiasts like you, what you dream from, we always listen to that kind of stuff. So keep telling us. That's also always a good moment. So, no, no, yeah. he, he, he will. There's no question about that. What you guys are hearing is you're hearing Herman say, email the Truck Show podcast at truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. And then we'll and forward, we'll forward all, the, uh, all the Ranger love mail um, to you guys. I, and, and listen, F, F-150 is a big truck. It's grown. 
It's a made of aluminum. It's not an inexpensive truck to build or buy. Raptor has moved upscale and upmarket over the years, which I, I think is totally consistent with the amount of content and what the truck is capable of. So I think there's room on the low end for a Ranger Raptor in the U.S., and I will be standing in line if that ever happens. You know, the big thing, the big surprise on Raptor, what we did not talk about yet, is really is its on-road plushness. You know, you see a high-performance off-road truck. Everybody thinks, I get into it, okay, I get it. It's good off-road, but it will beat me up on road. And then the big surprise is it's actually way plusher than any F-150 with that super high-capacity, strong shock, but doesn't need to be stiff because it can vary. When you're in Michigan yeah. and you're hitting potholes in a Raptor, you don't care. <laughs> and there are some truck gobbling potholes in Michigan. And I will tell you, there have been lots of trucks where you swerve around those things. You're in a Raptor. You don't even go think right twice. through it. Right yep. through it. Well, Herman, thank you so much Absolutely. for uh, for talking uh, Raptor and uh, Ford Performance with us. And uh, if you ever need an American journalist to just sample the Raptor, you know, just to spread the good word and <laughs> do the Lord's work on, uh, on helping you... Uh, you know, I, I think he's already figured out you're a fanboy. I think that was very <laughs> readily apparent just, throughout the entire interview. I just interview. want to make sure well, that, you know. <laughs> we have one in Dearborn, and if you come in the area, and I know you're far away and California is more fun than, than this here, but if you come here, I will show you the truck. Hey, let, let me ask you this, not to put you on the spot, Herman, but forgive my ignorance, does Ford give tours of the factory? What the Lightning's F-150 asking factory? is... Can we come to go? Can we come to uh, Dearborn and go to the Dearborn truck plant and maybe do something oh, with the, uh, the podcast there? We would love to do it. I, I've been dying to tour Ab- the facility. Absolutely. Just let me know and we set it up for you. It's, it's a wonderful facility, and we do that absolutely for you. I was there when it opened, and it's amazing. You can eat off the floor. It's just it's a gorgeous, I'd gorgeous prefer not place. to eat. I would prefer to take uh, uh, a out to dinner. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I prefer to <laughs> thank him for this interview, and we'll buy him a, we'll buy him a drink. All right, well, that's a deal. So, so, <laughs> so Herman, I, you know me. I, I'm in Detroit probably uh, every six weeks or so, so I will uh, set up with Matt next time I'm in town. Come and I'll be there, too. And uh, if I can fit uh, lightning in my luggage, we will uh, we'll show up. And, I'm going to uh, lose a little weight, but I'll fit, I promise. <laughs> You'll be over the weight limit. I'll have to pay extra for you. We know that you are a busy man. Uh, once again, this is uh, Herman Salenbach, Global Director for Ford Performance, an old, long-lost friend who loves, uh, who loves performance trucks and uh, so happy that we had a chance to chat today. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye. Thanks, All Herman. Right. Thank you, Herman. Dude, did you hear that? I'm going to go to the Ford factory well, and no, see a Raptor. So that's cool, but is a, he... Hold on, hold on. A global is, Ranger Raptor. I was going to say, is he... Oh, yeah, that's cool. Is he the heaviest that we've had on the show so far? Uh, he's pretty... He's he. No, I would say Jim Morrison is, from Ram Jim, because he runs oh, the whole brand. yeah, yeah, okay. But Herman is right up there. Tim Herrick, Herman Salenbach, Jim I Morrison. I will say, I, I feel like I want to I wanna pat ourselves on the back, dude. That's well, awesome, huh? That's a pretty good get. Yeah, I, I've been. So. He wouldn't give us. I mean, we we wanted him to say, "Hey, yeah, of course it's coming to America." He can't say that he can't for break obvious the news reasons. Here. Of course, he not. did say there was hope. He did say there was hope. So that tells me that it probably will happen. Uh, I, last all right, so last episode we talked about going to Nissan. Yeah, and I'm curious if they get back to us. Yeah, um, have you heard any word yet from Nissan? Uh, maybe. Do they deny us? No. Oh, I just. I can't promise things on the air that I'm working on. Oh, I see. Okay. Just saying. All right. I guess my question is, were they upset that we said it on the air? No. Okay, good. No, not that I know about. Okay, good. Good. But maybe they haven't had enough time to listen to last episode yet, so there's still time for anger. (laughs) 
Uh, no, I mean, I think it was very complimentary when we yeah. go, we want to go see Nissan. We want to go see the build. That was, Absolutely. You know, that's a huge compliment, I think. But also- Any it, modern truck factory now is an amazing place to visit. I watch every episode of How It's Made and yes. all of those, right? Yes. And I, I, I got to go. I but gotta how, go. how do we make that a cool podcast episode? Like, how, how do we make a How It's Made for audio? Because I, I want to bring that experience somehow to our listeners. We can do it. And and I want them to. I feel I want pretty that good. To be... we, we we can do that. I used to okay. do that with Kevin and Bean, yeah. and and they are really they are piss poor at bringing physical objects to life on the air. You know, if you're doing a funny song and dance yeah. in front of them, they'll sit there and go, "Oh, that's funny." Oh, that's funny. And and you're in your car <laughs> as a listener going, "What What's are they funny? looking at? Yeah, right, what are yeah, they?" Yeah. And so no. We need to say he's moving his hips from left to right, and he has plaid pants on. So you, you he's have now to be, picking up a tool in the assembly of a vehicle. Be, you have to be overly descriptive. You well, know, we have to get a little NPR on people, but we, we uh, have we have a little bit of work to do to kind of figure out when we can go and all that kind of stuff. But it sounds like we have a couple of manufacturers willing to uh, let us on their property. Still, I would love to do both before Christmas. You think can we pull it off? Mm, I don't know. We'll have to look at the schedule. It's possible. Hmm. I just think it'd be it would be awesome. And again, um, is anyone listening? Do they care if we go? <laughs> of course they do. Okay, of course they do because we're bringing them along. We're giving them access to something they wouldn't normally okay, have a chance to do. Okay, that's what I'm hoping for. That which I that's awesome. Great. I want to see what they have in their vending machines. You know what? What it's what well, it's the same thing everybody oh, has. Is it really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> When I find somebody with a, with a, with Kit Kats in their machine, ooh, me, it's Twix. Do you know my son? Speaking of Twix, my son. I had the right Twix today. Yeah, it tasted so much better than the left Twix. So my son's doing that. My <laughs> son he? will not eat a left Twix. Really? Yeah. Send them my way. I'll still eat them. Okay. They're not as good as the right, but I'll still eat them. <laughs> I think there's some new stuff happening in the truck world, my friend. Oh, uh, then let's talk about it. Let's do it. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. Lifted, lowered, and everything in between. What's happening in the world of trucks? Oh, that was that was really good. That was we were we were good last time. No, but that we were in such synchronicity there that it sounded like there was only one voice. That is awesome. That was weird. It's also pretty creepy. Turns out, so check this out. Uh, I heard. From some friends over at Nissan that there are going to be some updates for the 2019 Nissan Titan. What? <laughs> I don't know what they all are yet. I'm he- actually headed out uh, in a week or so to the uh, Texas State Fair where they have a huge truck show. And I'm sure there'll be a ton of truck news from there. But uh, they- How did that become such a massive deal? I, it's just because uh, I think part of it was Toyota moved there. Oh. Plano. Oh, okay. And part of it is uh, it just just Texas, obviously, truck country. Manufacturers started doing special editions there, and then they started doing other news there. And now it's some place that we have to go because there's news that comes out of there uh, every year. So, where is the Texas State Fair? It is in Dallas. Oh, I love Dallas. Oh. If you were going to say Houston, I was just no, no, in no, Houston no, no. recently, no. and not my I mean, favorite. Nice tall and all, nice town I like and all, Dallas. but um, yeah, Dallas. The stockyards. Cool. Over to the stockyards. Stock Wait, stockyards aren't stockyards in Fort Worth. Fort, oh, uh, I. Barbecue. I, oh, my God. So <laughs> awesome. Dude, amazing. So I, I plan on making a stop there. I'm also uh, going to try and uh, hook up with Aaron Kaufman while I'm down there. Oh. So we'll see if I can get a, a picture and maybe a quick interview with him and uh, check out the new Arclight Fab Shop. So uh, hopefully I'll have some stuff to bring to you. But I, I uh, shot him a note the other day, and he said, come on down. So uh, the first news to come out is uh, Nissan is now upgrading their uh, audio system in the 2019 Titan. It's now going to have... 
a 12-speaker Fender premium audio system with uh, 485 watts through nine channels. What? <laughs> nice. So the, okay. the current truck has a Rockford Fosgate system. It's okay, but I always felt it was too Did you wait? Heavy. Did you say Fender? Yes. Well, interesting. What does Fender know about car stereos? I know they now they make like, you know, boom boxes. Not boom boxes, but like Bluetooth little speakers, Bluetooth things, things like that. Like but accident. what do they know about, do they, do they get it, together with someone? Yeah, yeah, with Panasonic. So uh, Panasonic ah. actually builds... A ton of OE car OE stereos. Car right. Yeah, I think we talked about that in our first episode or second one with uh, Steve from Alpine. Right. And so uh, Fender did a branding play with Panasonic. And what's cool about it is they're really trying to go for that like live concert feel, and they're really trying to up their game. I thought the, the current stereo that's in the Titan is nice, but I always felt it was too bass-heavy and muddy. And the new system is supposed to just blow it out of the water, like near audio now, file clarity. Now, do they have signal processing? Do, are they, uh, do they have delay? Can you? Is there a, a center stage? Yeah, so I, there is a center stage, but I don't know all the details on it yet. I'll, I'll know when I get to sit in it. But they're doing uh, something that Panasonic calls the acoustic motion control. So hmm. it actually reduces the vibration in individual speakers so that it doesn't degrade from the sound quality, which is really interesting. I don't know how it works. Well, wait a minute. So, wait, what? Because without motion in the speaker, there's no audio. But I think it's keeping like the rattles out of it, like that secondary motion. The harmonic distortion. Uh, I, I guess you're, an audio, you're a car audio guy. I'm not. So yeah. I'm assuming that's what it is. So anyway, that'll be pretty cool. Uh, however, sad news. If you get a King Cab, you only get 10 speakers. <laughs> <laughs> I can deal with that. Um, also, our friends at Ram just launched a uh, limited edition Power Wagon. Oh, so what? yeah, so it's that cool uh, sand. What's color. limited about it? Uh, it's only going to be fifteen hundred. There's only fifteen hundred of them made. Yeah, they're only going to make fifteen hundred in the uh, Mojave sand color. That's nothing. That's nothing. And so uh, this is sort of the ramping down of the current truck because we know the Ram Heavy Duties come out next year. Right. And so this is just kind of a buzz model. And so it's that cool. If you've ever seen a Wrangler uh, JK in that sand color, it's sort of like if you look at a Ken doll. It's like the color of like Ken's Band-Aid or something <laughs> like that. Does that mean that uh, this thing has no genitals? Uh, no, I don't think that's what it means at all. I'm sure okay. you can put a set of truck nuts on the back if okay, you want to. Yeah. Oh, there uh, you go. But it's cool. It's uh, It's got blacked out wheels and uh, it's got- What the, is that in front of the bumper between the cab and the, uh, it's the first, the, the forward part of the uh, bed. The bed? That's the uh, Power Wagon decal. So oh, they, is that what that is? They have like a retro uh, graphics package on it. If you want to get a power wagon that has the vertical power wagon, okay, it's optional. You don't have to. Uh, you don't have to get that if you don't want to. Um, so anyway, I don't want to. Okay, don't do it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I know last week we had uh, our friends from Ford had a had a little bit of recall yeah. situation. Uh, GM following them this week. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> uh, so w- one million. One million trucks recalled. <laughs> yeah. For what? Um, 2015 full-size trucks and SUV for a steering issue. Uh-oh. So apparently the steering can go intermittent, so it changes the uh, the, the assist level and can catch the driver by surprise and has okay. led to a few accidents. No injuries, they say. You know, am, am I lame that I just recently drove a truck with lane assist? Isn't that weird? It is How weird. How it buzzes your legs and stuff. It's like, what are you doing? No, 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 no. The ones where you let go of the steering wheel. And yeah, and it brings you back. It brings you back. The GMs will buzz the right or left side of your seat as well. Oh, is that what uh, happened? Yeah, of your seat as well. I had never driven in a... I don't but know But it's weird because if you take How? your hands off the wheel, you're like a drunk person going between yes. the lane markers. Yeah. It's very interesting. I, I'm, sure, I'm sure I'm the last person on earth to have experienced that, <laughs> but it it's was... It's weird. 
was weird. Yeah, yeah. Fortunately for any of you with a 2015 Silverado 1500, Suburban Tahoe, or GMC Sierra 1500 in Yukon, or Cadillac Escalade, dealer will fix for free. It's just a software update. So it oh. should be pretty easy oh, on your cool. next oil change. So our friends at BFG have a contest going on right now called What Are You Building For? And it's all about- What are you building for? Well, I'm-, I'm <laughs> <laughs> Do we want to get into that? No. No. What are, all right. So what is the deal? Uh, so what are you building for? So it's uh, it's people who are building a, a, a 4x4 or what, off-road what, what, vehicle. Like a show vehicle? Or? No, no, no. Like to go on an adventure. Oh. And so uh, you can find out all the information at trucktrend.com or fourwheeler.com. It's through their social- uh, uh, social pages, Facebook or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, uh, they are going to judge uh, based on some criteria, and you can get a free set of tires up to a thousand bucks to go toward your project, and then hopefully go on your adventure. So if you're interested in that, BF Goodrich uh, has a pretty cool contest. So uh, the last date to submit an entry is October 30th. So get on that if you Just want. Still have some time. Tires. So again, you're going to their Facebook page. Facebook page. Okay, yep. got it. Yep. BF Goodrich. Should we call Jordan from Daytona Truck Meet? Only if he has some big news that he's only going to share first and foremost on the Truck Show Podcast. That's going to happen from what I hear. absolutely we call him. All right, so it's time for you to dial because your phone is connected to the control board. That is my work phone. That way none of our guests have my real phone number. Ah, I understand. Smart. (laughs) Truck Fever LLC, this is Jordan. (laughs) It's all official (laughs) junk. Come on now. You don't have to answer it like that. You knew it was us calling. It's Lightning and Holman for the Truck Show Podcast. What up, Jordan? Hey, what's going on, guys? You know, I got to keep a good image here. I know. I, I've seen your Instagram, dude. Uh, you, got, you have a lot more phone calls to answer that way to keep that good image. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, before we talk to you, we do have to play the intro. Don't move, Jordan. Where is that? I've got four chrome rims and a steering wheel. I've got four chrome rims and a steering wheel. I've got four chrome rims and a steering wheel. All right, so we have spoken to Jordan a couple of times on the show, and Jordan is the founder of the Daytona Truck Meet in Daytona Beach, Florida. And word on the street, my friend, is that you have some news to break on the show. I do. I have some big news. All right, thanks for that. Yeah, all right, hey, hey, we really appreciate all that information. Uh, we'll be sure to pass it on Jay, to our listeners. I was waiting for you to do your drum roll. Oh yeah, well, I so I don't really, I don't, I'm yeah. not happy with the drum roll right it's now. It's weak because right now it sounds more like you're jumping off a, you know, diving off a like a diving board. I mean, it's... and then splash. Yeah, but there's it's no, not... there's no good top hat to that. It's like the top hat's dead. No, but I need a, I, I need a timpani, which is just that. You know, it builds up. Well, the, if you're able to do it with your mouth, I mean, I just, can. It's like, all right, here, right, here, here, here we go. Here we go. That, no, you that sound like a, a Cummins. You sound like a Cummins. Oh, I do sound like a Cummins, like <laughs> with like a with yeah. like a flapper valve on top of the stack. That's oh yeah. <laughs> Oh, God, I'm just waiting for the mounted parameters in the background right oh, now. No, oh, come no, on. No. We do not overuse I that. Wouldn't we would that. never, ever. Hey, if uh, if I, you're hosting uh, another uh, Daytona truck meet and you don't have her reading your announcements, you're forever dead to us, my friend. I need her. I need her. Somebody find me her. I will bring her to Daytona truck meet. <laughs> I will pay for her flights. I want her at the show. She will be at my booth announcing whatever needs to be announced. Can, can I write the script? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, Jordan, I don't know if you heard the last uh, podcast, but I was up at a, an alligator performance event, a truck pole a, in uh, Idaho. And mm-hmm. I heard a girl doing announcements, and I thought, oh, my God, this is going to be it. I'm, I'm going to find her again, and I'm going to interview her. And then? <laughs> <laughs> 
Poppy. No, it wasn't wasn't her. It wasn't some competent uh, girl doing doing announcements like she was or supposed to do. It was her, but she wasn't drunk. I don't think you think it was totally different. I, different girl. I do think it was a different right. girl, and I think that the girl I have here. To trust your ears. I don't think mounted mounted parameters was. I don't. She. I don't think she was drunk. Uh, I was uh, in my office the other day. Another person goes walking by, mounted parameters, <laughs> and did, they didn't say hi to me. They didn't stop. They didn't break stride. They just shot a gorilla mounted parameter through my office door <laughs> as they walked by my uh, my office. That came from uh, that came from a live event, um, UCC, U- right? UCC Ultimate yeah. Callout Challenge in Indiana. I don't know, some months back, and that was the girl doing announcements. And I just thought it was so funny that she was screwing up you know all, we should do? all of the plugs. We should do our own ultimate callout challenge, except it's listeners reading uh, some sort of script for us, and we can see which <laughs> one can do it best. Yeah, who does best, who does worse, let's do it. So, Jordan, what is the big news that you are going to share with us today? Well, y'all need to get ready, because Daytona Truck Me is returning. You... <laughs> Oh, wait. wait, wait, I played it too soon. Let's try it again. Let's try it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I stomped on you. Here we go. All right. Returning to Daytona. Daytona. <laughs> I'm just not going to say it. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. I promise I won't do it again. It's going to be time, hard Jordan. to promote him with. All right. No, no, no. All right. So, no. Jordan is an award winner, a SEMA award winner. So are you saying that we yeah. uh, owe him respect? I'm saying that, yes, we owe him respect. Okay. So, I, I, I solemnly. Sitting upright in my chair. We solemnly swear not to play any sound effects over your next announcement. Jordan, please Why go. Why are so... your fingers crossed, Lightning? I'm... <laughs> my fingers are <laughs> crossed because I can't help myself. That's why I won't play any audio. So, returning to Daytona Beach at the Daytona International Speedway, June 7th through the 9th, Daytona Truck Meet. And if I wanted to go, well, not me, because if I wanted to go, I would just show up and say, I know Jordan. But if another normal person wanted to go, how would they uh, find out more wait, information? Wait, don't insinuate that you're normal. You can't say another <laughs> normal person. Uh, if someone yeah, you're, unlike you're you, uh, somebody unlike me who wasn't on a podcast <laughs> wanted to get in, where would they go to get where, there? Where do they get tickets? Register. And tickets? how do they get their yes. truck in? Yes. DaytonaTruckMeet.com. Simple as that. Or if you're on uh, Instagram, uh, DaytonaTruckMeet, you know, username right there, or on my social truck underscore fever well that ruined it right there i gotta do an underscore i'm out it's very complicated you'll find it you'll find it he has a gazillion followers and the algorithms will lead you to him so jordan what do you expect for this show have you hatched kind of the plan because as let's take let's take our listeners back a little bit we had jordan on the first time because he this started off very organically people throw that term around a lot like oh it's organic and you know organic and synergistic well that's yeah it's corporate speak for like we thought it up and then we pretended to make it sound like it was it really just it all came out yeah well so jordan he really was partying on a beach with his friends driving trucks on the sand which you can do back east and that it morphed into something much much larger and that it, it i think you said you had was it fifteen thousand trucks last year yeah yeah fifteen thousand trucks in the area twenty five thousand over twenty five thousand spectators and uh we expect to increase those numbers again for next year how uh, how how is that like where do you put them you do have something that's unique <laughs> at, at daytona truck meet it's unique when i say that because it's not like a west coast thing where where you can go in and out right so 
the entire town of Daytona kind of becomes the truck show, right? I mean, the focus is, Correct. hey, can we borrow a truck from you and get a big truck show podcast flag and we'll just drive around the uh, racetrack all weekend long? There'll be like one American flag and one truck show podcast flag. And we do we do the show from in the, from the bed. The bed? The bed. Of the- <laughs> <laughs> what will be different? What can fans expect to see, Jordan, at this year? Do you have any plans yet or is it just like, all you were doing was focusing on getting this, you know, all the paperwork, you know, with the city and the police department, all that type of thing. Well, we're going bigger, much bigger. It's it's a week later, but that makes room for more space for us. So we've got we're also shutting the track down. So uh, load in area it will be on the back stretch, and you'll be able to drive across the track and oh. into the infield and a lot more parking spaces, more vendors. Um, you know, just doing it up a lot bigger. The burnout contest is going to be even bigger. We've got, a, you know, stands that we're going to bring in, so we'll be able to fit a lot more people in there. More importantly, will there be golf cart racing at night on the speedway? <laughs> <laughs> no, wait, was there, uh, was there golf cart racing last year? Not officially, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I want to know oh if there's going to be. Oh, my God. All right, so you said that we could we could, we could could record in our, the podcast out there. Is that still, does that offer still oh, stand? Yeah. As a matter of fact, I've got even more for you. So not only will both of y'all be judging the bikini contest, but both of you will each have an award to give to your favorite truck at the show. And you're going to be brought on stage to give out those awards. I'm going to put you on the spot this time. <laughs> oh, you are wow. going to be so disappointed that that was your decision. Can we have <laughs> – well, is it, I don't, we, it's not the Lightning and Holman Award. It's the, the Truck Show Podcast Award. What do you think? Exactly. Yes, Truck oh. Show Podcast Award. I, we're, we're like I can, official in some I can junk. tell Jordan has made some seriously uh, big Board decisions. life decisions. <laughs> just awful. And this is a continuation of his pattern. So I mean, <laughs> you, you look, I'm, I'm an enthusiast uh-huh. and you're an expert. You uh, are. You're a bona fide thank expert. You. And so I, I think we could bestow some awards. Oh, on, no, on some... Ab- absolutely. I, I think we would do a fantastic job to our standards. Jordan, um, for those people who aren't familiar with Daytona Truck Meet, because it is relatively new. It's not like it's been going on for 25 years. What type of trucks are you looking for? Do you have a preference or is it come one, come all? It's, it's come one, come all. It's, it's mainly lifted trucks. Um, we cater to everybody. We do have a, a lowered award. And we're uh, delving into Jeep awards and stuff like that. But it is a, uh, a lifted truck style. Uh, the mall crawlers is how you quote it. Daytona is, in that area of Florida, is kind of the epicenter for the mall crawler. So it's big wheel, 26 plus inch rims, you know, rubber band tires. So you know what the award is? That whole thing. What's that? It's one of those yellow painted poles that stick up out of the middle of the parking lot that people bend their bumpers and wreck their doors on because it's just that one <laughs> pole that's been, four, it, been hit like 400 times. Because you can't see it in a, you can't in a see lifted it. truck? Yeah. Yeah. No, so Jordan, um, Florida is known for that that scene. It doesn't really exist much out here. It's Texas and East. You expect like older patinaed trucks, you know, C10s, things like that to, to show up. And obviously they're welcome. Do you expect them? We always want them. And we're working into getting into that uh, that genre, so to speak. But yeah, we, we absolutely want every every type truck, whatever can can drive in. Bring it on. I'm, I'm totally down for this, although I, I do have to tell you that in the rider that I have to get me to make these appearances, there has to be a Waffle House within about a five-mile five radius. Waffle House sucks ass, dude. <laughs> Waffle House, it's cardboard oh, yeah. with syrup on it. No, it's deliciousness. It's all, it's America. 
It is America, oh, but it's see? not good America. Yeah, it's so good. No. There's it, plenty of them down there. All right, I'm in. No. I'm in. As long as, And I know <laughs> being in the South will be Dr. Pepper. So basically, yep. that's my list. My list is Waffle House and Dr. Pepper. Holman, we talked to, on the last show and I think the previous show about, we're talking about mini trucking and the big trucks. You know, when we had Brett from Severed Ties, we were talking about mm-hmm. those huge, huge car shows, truck shows, mini truck shows in the 80s that don't really exist anymore, that were a party, you know, where you, you actually even stayed overnight. So they happened at the at the river, uh, they happened in places in Texas, et cetera. But it kind of died. It, it Some of it went east. Like, in, well, I can tell you, in Southern California, it's dead. There's not that camping atmosphere where it's camaraderie and it's and it's and it's fun and it's debauchery. Can we expect that out of Daytona truck meet? It will there be? Could I stay overnight or is it all we're going to a local motel? What's the vibe? I mean, are we trying to recreate that thing of the 80s, that magic? I'm working on it. Okay. I'm working on it. Hey, my wife my wife is listening. That is a great answer. Thank you, Jordan, for not uh, not expanding upon I'm working that. On it. Thank you. I uh yeah, we're we're working on new ideas and uh stuff like that and we'll see what what comes to fruition. Jordan, not to undermi- undermine your uh, your marketing on this, but it's going to be a horrible boring event that has no bikinis. Is that correct? <laughs> <laughs> There'll be no beer because your be... wife is listening yeah, absolutely. now. Absolutely. No, we, she knows. Uh-oh. She's not an idiot, isn't she? A principal of a school? Yeah, and she has uh, she has two masters and a doctorate from uh, so USC. She so she sees right through she's you like glass. So, she's so so much more smart. She knows what she married. A degenerate. You're <laughs> <laughs> gonna go have some fun, look at some bikinis, or look at no. I mean, we're gonna go celebrate our trucks. We're judging the bikinis though themselves, the fabric, right? Oh, the just, fabric, just the patterns. I love that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I did you get this at Joanne's? This is, and the polyester is yeah. fantastic. Oh, the ruffles, oh, nice ruffles. <laughs> Those aren't ruffles. I'm have to write rules for you guys. Good lord. <laughs> All right, let's give out the information again for those that want to wait. So, Jordan, what this event appears to be becoming is one of those SEMA-type events where guys are driving from Utah to get to you. I remember last year, um, he goes by Wide Body King on Instagram. I forget. He's just down the street from us here. Does He wide bodies uh-huh. anything from a Bentley to a Camaro, and he drove his, his Escalade and lifted trucks on a flatbed all the way to Daytona from Southern yep. California. I have a name for that. What's that? It's Prima. Prima? Prima. Ooh. Pre-SEMA. Oh, that, that's see early in the season. That's where you or go. Or me, Mima, uh, mid Sima. <laughs> I like, I like, I like Prima. Prima. Prima's better. Yeah. No, nah, but he had Sima of the South. Remember last year? That's it true. Was Sima Hashtag of the South. Sima South. All right. I think that's what it is. We'll have pricing and everything here in the next coming weeks. It should be you know around the same price, if not maybe a little bit more. But it's what, a it's a fun you, event. What do, you, what do you get, Jordan, for your price of admission or entering your entering your truck? We last year we did uh, VIP with T-shirts. This year we're just gonna have the T-shirts at the event, so everybody can uh, you know register online. Be it'll be done before the end of the year. Obviously, we're hoping to get that up hopefully by the end of this week. So again, uh, Daytona Truck Meet, the SEMA of the South, the largest truck show on that side of the Mississippi and possibly on this side of the Mississippi. I think it might be the largest truck show. Period. Period. Uh, June seventh through June 9th, which is a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, in. Uh, the lovely Daytona Speedway in Florida. And if you want to uh, head out and uh, join, you'll want to register at DaytonaTruckMeet.com. Well said. All right, Jordan. You great. <laughs> we, we, we love you, and we'll check in soon. Thanks, buddy. All right, guys. Talk to right. you soon. Talk to you soon. So that is going to be that's going to be some fun, and uh, my wife and your wife maybe not so happy that we're going to go. Should we bring them? Uh, wait. 
That's an interesting twist. Because then they can hang out doing whatever women you know do when their husbands are gone. It's interesting that you say that because my wife really thinks it's fun to, you know, like we used to go to the mall yeah. and sit on the, you know, the bench by the people watch. I love people watching. So this would be, we can just, we'll, that's our excuse. Yes. We're going to go people watch. Yeah. They'll understand that. <laughs> no, they won't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's the Truck Show Podcast. I'm Lightning. He's Holman. Send us your email, truckshowpodcast at gmail.com, truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. And do it now! The Truck Show, the Truck Show, the Truck Show, oh, oh. Wanted to give a huge thank you to Decked. If you need a storage solution for pretty much any truck or van, go to decked.com, D-E-C-K-E-D, decked.com. And of course, we wouldn't be doing the show without the help of Nissan. Our uh, proud presenting sponsor, if you're in the market for a new truck, check out the new Nissan Titan or Nissan Frontier, the most affordable truck in America. And of course, that Titan has a five-year, 100,000-mile warranty, so check it out. Also, don't forget to uh, check in to our socials at Truck Show Podcast on both Instagram and Facebook. It's a lot of checking. I'm going to check you into an insane asylum. I have checked baggage. <laughs> I don't know. What's the matter with you? Hey, you know what we forgot to tell people to do? I, the show's got to be over by now. Why? Because it's four hours long yeah, again? What? We forgot to tell people to give us a five star review. I mean, I think they figured that out from the email segment. I'm still going to ask. Oh, right, do it. And I'm going to beg. Please, if you listen to the show, it'll help us out tremendously with our placement on iTunes and other places, whatever platform that you happen to be Five listening. Five stars and give us a review. Yeah, we love reviews. We'll read them on the air. We'll even beg you for them. <laughs> Please. <laughs> God. <laughs>